This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Gentlemen, welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Uh, we're just doing a little quick one on uh, how to manipulate matter with your mind, which is, uh, you know, who wouldn't want to do that? You know, you can like mess around with the world just with your mind. So um, there's, there's different ways to do that. There's obviously master, mystical masters who know how to manipulate matter. And uh, most of the ways they do that are not very kosher. They're using, uh, they're using uh, you know, I, black magic type ways. Although I, I don't know the details, so it's not fair of me to call it black magic because who am I to call it black if I don't know what it is? But the, um, in the Kabbalistic sources, you use names of God. And some of those are also forbidden. Um, because they're reserved for the temple and reserved for special times and stuff. But that's other ways to manipulate matter. Now, with your own mind, the way you manipulate things is by, is by sending out the, the message into the world, sending out the message into the world that which you want. You've got to get really clear with what you want, and then you, you just focus in deeply on, on that which you want. There are ten steps to doing this. The first three are, are um, thought, speech, action. So the first thing you want to do is you want to um, you want to envision, or what's the word I'm looking for? You want to what's the word when you visualize? Yeah, I guess visualize. Um, you want to visualize yourself having achieved that which you're trying to pull off in the world. Second thing is you want to talk about it. Unless it's certain things. You don't want to talk about possibly meet, marrying somebody. That will mess it up. And also regarding money or even buying an apartment or some of the things like that. You don't want to talk much about that. Because uh, that can mess things up too. Especially if you have an idea who the person is or what house or what business deal you want. You want to keep that quiet till the deal is closed. But the uh, thought, speech, and then action is you want to do something. You don't have to do very much at all. Not because... I mean, not only because it shows trust in God if you do the minimal, but it's also when you're trying to when you're trying to achieve something that needs to shift due to your will because you will something. So that means something over there has got to shift, which may involve other people, other decision makers. Like that might be a lot involved in that. So so you need time for it to tunnel. It's going to tunnel like the English Channel between France and England. They, t- they dug from both sides to get to meet in the middle. And so when you want something, that's you digging. But it's got to dig the other way too. And so you want to go minimalist in the things you do um, because, because things take time to tunnel there. And you don't, want to, you don't want to hit too many walls on the way to where you're going because you're going somewhere where you want it to go smoothly. So that's action. You can do minimal actions. If you see it's not really going, do a little more action. Um, that's thought, speech, and action. The next thing is, um, sometimes what you're really going for is really the opposite of what you've been getting, and you've been focused too much on what, on what you don't want. So you got to be really careful of subjects when you want something, and you want to manipulate the world in such a way that it comes your way. You want to be really careful not to be, not to be using the negative subject. For example, let's say someone wants. Uh, Someone wants wealth, but the, what they're really um, radiating is being upset about being poor. So, so what's the subject when someone says that he's, that he's uh, really frustrated over being broke? What's the subject matter? Broke. Broke's the subject matter. You guys alive out there? Everyone awake? Thanks for saying something, by the way. When someone says he's really frustrated over being broke, what's the subject? Thank you. Okay, look alive, everybody. Now, that, that's the, so they're, they're actually radiating the word broke. And broke's what they'll usually have. And someone radiating, being frustrated with being sick all the time. The, what's the subject? Being sick. Being sick. So you've you got to be careful with that. And the, um, whatever, there's many more. I'm not going to go into all of them. But the, the main thing is, the main thing is to is to know what you want. Because Torah teaches us that the word for that, that desire, which is ratzon, that nothing stands in its way, whatever it is you want. I'll prove it to you right now. Just going to flip the camera for a second. Everyone smile. 
Okay, give a little wave. Say hi. Okay, now, what I want is a showing of hands of anything. I want you to think for a second of something you really wanted. You really, really wanted it. Okay, anyone think hard? Something you really wanted. Okay, raise your hands if you ever really wanted something. Okay, raise your hands high. Not a L, but a V. Okay, now, keep your hand, and but you really wanted it. Keep your hands up if you got it. Okay, it's always the same, is that almost everyone's hands are up. There's always dropped a few hands, and I can tell you why that is, but almost everyone's hands up every time I ask that question. Now, how is it possible that all these people wanted something and all these people got it? And the answer is, is because nothing stands before Ratzon. Your desire breaks down walls. And God created the world to work that way. And the way it works, the mechanics of it, are from another sentence that our sages said is that that in the way that a person wants, God will lead him there. I mean, uh, the camera's not on you now. Raise your hand if you ever did something wrong. (laughs) Keep your hands up if God let you do it. (laughs) Okay, so all of us wanted to do something wrong and all of us succeeded. So we see that the way that you want to go is the way God will lead you. He'll let you do that. He'll orchestrate it all for you. Which tells you that God's not religious. You know, it's religions that tell people that by doing something wrong, they've left the grace of God. Judaism tells you that, that God was there and orchestrated everything you wanted to do wrong. Did God want you to do something wrong? Absolutely not. But you wanted to, and so you pressed the magic button of creation, which is desire. When you touch the magic button of desire, the whole entire creation conspires to give you that desire. Because God loves you even when you're going to do something stupid. He wants to give you what you want. It's just like a parent with a kid. You know, my kids want all kinds of stupid stuff. And I can't help but want to give it to them. You know, I just want to give them their stuff. And they, uh, my latest is I'm buying a motorcycle for my eight-year-old. <laughs> it's like, am I out of my mind? And I even went to the shop today just to, like, shoot extra photos of it to show them later, you know. So, of course my eight-year-old should have a motorcycle, right? So, anyway, that's my next move. So that he wants a motorcycle, he's going to get a motorcycle. Now, the truth is we're an off-road family, and we've all moved to motorized uh, uh, off-road mountain bikes, and which totally leaves the eight-year-old in the dust. They don't make off-road mountain bikes for eight-year-olds, but they do make motorcycles for off-roading for eight-year-olds. So there's nothing I can do. God has forced my hand. Now, the um, anyway, the uh, when we talk, oh, by the way, I'm selling another bike to buy all these bikes. <laughs> buy all these electric bikes. So if anyone would like to buy a really hardcore off-road mountain bike, I've got one left. I've sold two. I'm selling our third so I can buy the electric uh, stable of bikes. Um, when we say in the way that a person wants to go, he will be led meaning God will walk him there. So, why does it say molichin? Is that singular or plural? Plural. Plural. So it sounded like God will take him there, right? But if it's plural, it can't be talking about God taking him there. So in the way you want to go, they will take you there. Well, who's they? And the answer for the they is the malachim, the angels. There's some seats around, you guys can just fill them in. There's another one up front if someone wants the front row. So there's two seats right here. The answer is the angels will take you there. What angels? When we use the word angels, by the way, I'm going to stop using that word. In Hebrew, they're called malachim. And malachim are are the, the system above this projection. Meaning right now, I know you all think you're in a classroom in Jerusalem, but you're actually in a holographic projection. And this holographic projection is being projected via... A whole system that's filled with these things called malachim, which are, which are very similar to just electric current. Very similar to just electric current coming down a line. 
But there's like quadrillion zillions of these things. And the actual number, I have the number, by the way, of how many there are. It's a godzillion. Because God only knows how many zillions of malachim there are in this incredibly intricate system, which, by the way, is always shifting because based on your will and this, that, and the other thing, and here comes a bus, so you stop and, you know, and didn't walk out into the street, so you didn't get hit by it. And, like, it's, it's really, really fascinating, extremely complex. But here's the crazy thing about it. I'm going to go to a short digression. Is it is... <laughs> I don't think I should use that word. Um, it is... If you could see it, if you could actually see the system, I know it sounds strange, but if you could actually get a glimpse at the system that's causing this, uh, you would be in convulsive bliss. That's a nice way of saying a word that begins with an O. Okay? You'd be in convulsive bliss if that happened. Oh, we got a couple seats here. There's one here, one there. Can you slide over, please, sir, and just leave your stuff? Except for your jacket. You can move your jacket. Um, oh, they got seats. Yeah, just move anyway so it's ready. Anyway, you got that seat. No, you can grab that seat. I think. Was someone sitting there? She'll sit here later. Okay. Anyway, you understand this is the weirdest thing. But if you could see what's causing this place. I mean, what are we all doing? Why are you here? What do you guys spend most of your day thinking? Most of your thinking is all you want is really to have the ultimate pleasure. Now, you're a little more mature than most people because most people think their pleasure is like buying a new pair of boots in town or something. I don't know what their pleasure, what pleasure they think they're going to get out of a pair of new boots. But you're all in here because you realize, well, the pleasure, I've had that pleasure. I'm looking for a higher pleasure. And so you're in here going for a higher pleasure. But ultimately, all you want is convulsive bliss. That's all you really want. You're built for it. You, you just desire it, which is why I came late for our thing today, because one of my convulsive blisses is having my 11 speakers in my stereo in my car blasting music. And it wasn't blasting. My, my, one of my amps, uh, the fuse broke on one of my amps. And so, like, everything was on hold until that fuse got put in. And once the fuse got put in, the music came back to my ears. So then I came back, back to the yeshiva here. And, and the truth is, I, I, everything was good timing. It's just that the, what they put in blew on my way back to the yeshiva. So I had to go back and whatever. Now, we're all here for that. But here's the crazy thing, is that, you know, most, some of us will achieve it. We'll achieve the bliss we're after. Some of us will achieve it. But, and with some of us will achieve it more often than not. Some of us may actually, those of us who are really dedicated, will live in it all the time. Those are the dedicated ones. And it, which is sad, by the way, because God created us all to be dedicated. If you're from the tribe of Israel, you're to be dedicated and live in bliss of, of his kashrus to Hashem, devekus. Total cleaving to God. That's what you were made for. And the fact that we all live in these, like, these like crazy conventional Jewish lives in these neighborhoods where like everyone's thinking about everything important besides the, what's important, which is to connect to God, which is what we're created for. That's what the Jewish people are meant for. That's why Christians go schizo. The biblical ones who don't realize there's Israeli society besides, you know, they, they're waiting to see everyone in robes and like glowing and like this at the Kotela, you know. And instead, they see our Jewish society, and they're so disappointed that they have a schizophrenic break and go into this messianic, like, we're going to take the whole house down mode. And Israeli police know to watch for that. And they actually have a place they put them. I know because I've been called from there several times by the people who happen to get my number before they had their schizophrenic break. And, uh, and they just hold them there until they can get them on a plane and just send them to go be the Messiah somewhere else. So Israel's ruthless. Like we have, we have this holding tank that people wind up. And that's why I always tell people if they're on a tourist visa and they're not Jewish, if you're on a tourist visa and you're Jewish, you can basically ignore your tourist visa, meaning the three-month mark. But if you're a tourist visa and you're not provably Jewish, you're going to wind up in that tank if you ignore your three-month visa. So do not do that. Like... Honor your three-month visa. It's really dangerous because once you blow your three-month visa and then they, you get put in the tank and then they send you away, they don't let you back. 
And so people, I know a lot of people that are freaked out people. One of these guys is probably watching me right now, by the way. I love you wherever you are. <laughs> he flies places to find me. Like he'll see that I'm on tour somewhere and he'll fly there from like Scandinavia. He said one time he got, he, you know, he arrived at the airport figuring out when I would have arrived. But meaning on my way back to Israel, he arrived from Europe just to see me. And guess what? I was already on the other side of security. And I'm like, why didn't you call my name? And he's like, I was afraid that I'd get in trouble for screaming at, you know, like maybe they would come in. Like he's a bit of a tripped out guy. No offense. And <laughs> he was afraid they'd see me. And another time I was in Muncie and I just finished a seminar for a week. I'm like exhausted on my way to the airport to fly back to Israel. And by the way, next Muncie's seminar is February 10th begins the men's, February 11th begins the women's. Check it out, possibly.org. And the, uh, that's going to be in Muncie a couple of weeks from now. And not to mention the executive Costa Rica trip for all possibly graduates, males. We're going on an all men's trip to the uh, rainforest in Costa Rica for super deep work. Now, the, uh, anyway, I open the door on the way to the airport. Guess who's standing right in the doorway? Kind of like this. I'm like, no. So I like brought him back inside the house where I was staying. And I'm like, we sat down for like 10 minutes because I, of course, only leave to the airport at the last minute because I'm always manipulating that I will make it. And the... Not that I mess around too much with it, but once you start getting the system down really well, you can show up whenever you want to flights. Now, the we're talking about spiritual dedication. Yes, we're on a parenthetical point here, and that is that we're 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 a tribe of highly connected people. But what's happened is we've all gone totally conventional. In fact, you want to hear something crazy? All the Sem girls here, if they went full connection like that, you'd like lose your chance for Shaduchim. <laughs> and the boys too, all the yeshiva boys here. Meaning you, you just, they would, they would write on your resume like, she's a little different. <laughs> on the boys, you know, the black hat boys resume would also like get, you know, just a big X on it for like, you know, he, he kind of prays a lot. And well, I mean, everyone prays a lot. We pray three times a day. Yeah, but he prays more than three times a day. Oh, that's a red flag. You know, so, so we're, we're like, we're so far gone right now. And, um, and so, you know, it's a bit of embarrassment, but at least if you're hearing this, just drop out. Drop out of society for at least a year. Just go to Svat. Go to Svat. You can re-enter and put on all your nice clothes again and get all Metro Jewish. You know, you want to be Metro Jewish, Brooklyn, Lakewood, you know, whatever you want to be Metro. You know, you want to be a Metro Jew. First, first earn some, earn some, uh, you know, go to flight school first and then go Metro. I'm dressed just like all my neighbors. Like, I look exactly like my neighbors. I dolphin with my neighbors. You know, we're all, I'm like our families. Normal. <laughs> uh, you can see last week's classes for my rant on normal. It was pretty nasty. But we look normal, at least. And we are more or less normal. We're certainly accepted in the schools and in the whole system. But, the, uh, but my goodness, you know, I, I spent years in flight school. And, and I'm still in flight school. And that's the place for a Jew. A Jew is flying. And if you aren't flying yet, we'll drop out for a year. Get your get some stripes on your shoulder, and then go back to your Metro Judaism. You know, if if it still it seems important to you, so go back later. And by the way, just a little advice to the ladies is marry a pilot. Marry a pilot. Why? What? I. You know, you everyone like all the sem girls like to come to Rabbi Glazer's class, but meanwhile they're going to marry a guy who looks more like a banker. Why would you do that if 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 it's... Hi, how you doing? There's a spot right here. Just careful the cable. And we got two spots. If you want to come on in. It's fine. I, they, this is like totally casual here. Careful. Whoa. Oh, yes. I'm so glad I just looked down. <laughs> that was close. Yeah. You did great. <laughs> that was just on the edge. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been hit. And like... You know, 
the live feed shoots across the wall. Full ricochet. So, but do you hear what I'm talking about? It's like, I'm, I'm clearly popular with highly conventional people. And the only reason is, is because they feel dead inside. And they feel numb from their society. But, but then when it comes time for Shaduchim, they're looking for stability. You know, someone normal, please. And, but, I mean, there, there's no reason, because you want financial stability or whatever the stability you're looking for, there's no reason that you have to be bored. Meaning there are, there are flight, there are flight, you know, people who are real pilots spiritually who actually make a living. And, they, and there are many of them. You know, not every guy wants to meditate and spot all day. You know, people have skill sets and they want to use those skill sets. And they, they you know, there, there's, a, I, I know people, by the way, who are, who are like way, there's a spot right here. You can come around. I know people who are way more, careful cable. I know people are way more out there than me, way more out there than me, who are running like major businesses. And, you know, they're, they're, they're doing big things. They're doing very big things. And they're, they're, and they're like, they teach me how to fly, these guys. I have friends who teach me how to fly. And, um, and also, well, that's enough on that. God set up the creation filled with all these malachim, which are, again, they're, they're in the gazillions. And, and what they do is they are feedback mechanisms to your desire. Whatever it is you want, they'll take you there. Like, they're actually built to, like, move to your desire. In Kabbalah, it has terminology, not that you need it, but God creating the world is called Or Yashar. And then our prayers and desires and all that stuff that we're shooting up into the malachim, into the, those zillions of things in the system coming down, meaning the projector. The things we're shooting into the projector is called Or Choser in Kabbalah, Returning Light. I actually played in a God Rock band called the Returning Light Band, which is really funny. And he lives in Sfat, the leader, the Benzion Elia Lehrer is the, and we played in a band together for three years. And that was quite a funny thing. I mean, it was great if you're watching this, Benzion. It was wonderful. <laughs> but it was really funny. And, the, and it was really hysterical. And you want to know something? A Hasidic lady said to me, like in the third year playing for this band, she's like, you know, I think you better quit this band for Shaduchim. <laughs> I'm like, really? I married one of my fans, by the way. So, uh, hi, do you need a couple seats? Yeah, that's no problem. Um, can I ask one of you guys to be very chivalrous? And uh, Wait, you're going at four... Oh, you have to leave anyway. Two seats right here. Okay, perfect timing. This gentleman had to leave it at 3.40, but uh, I think he lost track of time. Okay. That's Alex. Alex, you're the man. Come back anytime. Every day, 3.10. Paper is so sweet. You, see, you guys see that big Alex guy? Amazing guy. So, um, the the Malachim system. The Malachim system is set up with the Or Choser. Now, what happens then is there's something called Or Tikkun. Or Tikkun is the third level. So we had Or Yashar, that's God creating the world via all the Malachim. Then you have Or Choser, is us messing with that system by setting up our Ratzon, which is your prayers too, your tefillah. When you're praying, you're sending stuff into the system. And, and then what that causes is a third level called Or Tikkun, which is a shift of the light of how it comes down, and then matter gets manipulated right in front of your eyes. Like, you, you actually will get it. <laughs> even if it's not even good for you, you'll get it. Because however you, whatever you want, Ratzon is like the magic button of the Malachim. 
And it's pretty freaky, too, because there's been people who wanted evil, like, really. I'm not talking about, like, a pork chop. I'm talking about, like, like there's been people who wanted to hurt the Jews and did a darn good job at that. And, they, and that's because they, they were also, they had, they had desire. And desire just works. There's stuff we don't understand about God, but there's something about our desire. And you should know, just interestingly, for those budding Kabbalists in the room, that the that the whole creation comes from a sphere called Keter. And the word Keter means crown, and it is the head of all the spheros, which is the channels of creation. And the word Keter is called crown because it's not quite in the body of creation. It's above, just like a crown is above the king. So, so this crown, which is called Keter, is where... It's called. It's also called Ratzon. Why? Because in order for there be the for there to be the ten spheros that creates our world, these ten beams to create our world, well, you have to have God's desire to do that. Because if God doesn't desire to do that, you're not going to have a world. Well, Keter is that desire to do that. So when your desire gets shot out from your heart, basically, but you can you can give it like a turbocharge with some words of prayer. Because prayer is just turbo heart. Because you got your heart's desires, and certainly the system knows that. But then there's, there's actually, you know, the the dibur. Because think about it, the whole world is created with with words, right? That God spoke, and the world came into existence. So when you add words to your desire, so, so stuff starts moving, big time, and so. But it goes both ways, though. It goes also for Jews, also for Gentiles. It goes for good people. It goes for evil people. It goes for everything. It's just the system. God made the system this way. And if you would ask yourself, like, or, sorry, if you'd ask God, like, God, what's up with that? And what's up with Holocaust? What's up with the Holocaust we had when they destroyed the second temple, the first temple? Like, the Crusades, like, all the hell we've been through. Like, God, can you take a little free will away? And would any, would any of you, if you were God, allow the free will of Hitler? Nobody. Nobody. We would just take them out. And you know what God's answer is? Ready for God's answer? First it starts with this. <laughs> just kidding. Um, God's answer is, God's answer is, well, I guess you just don't understand a few things. And you're never going to. <laughs> so, why? My thoughts aren't your thoughts. In fact, the prophet says not only are the words, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, but it even goes so far. Natana, you want to chill over here? You you mind sitting on the floor for a few minutes? I'm only mentioning that because you're from Mexico. Yeah. I was just just eating beans on the way here. You were just eating beans on the way here? Rice and beans. Como frijoles, how you be? So... Now... The, by the way, that was all just a joke. And I would never see a Mexican on the floor. It's just that he's not from Mexico. <laughs> but for the last two years, I thought he was from his funny Israeli English. <laughs> this all got discovered Shabbos night at my Shabbos table. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, Can someone remind me what we're talking about? <laughs> my thoughts are not your thoughts. Yeah, the prophet says, My thoughts aren't your thoughts. When do, when do we read that, by the way? What kind of day? A fast day. Why are we fasting? Because it was stuff bad happened, and now we're fasting over it. So, And that's when we read, My thoughts aren't your thoughts. So when stuff bad happens, and you want to you you put me to task, says God, meaning you want to you judge God for having dealt harshly with us via the Gentiles' desire to smash us. So God's reply, which we read in the prophet every fast day, or at least the, the, main, the, the smaller fasts, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. And you know what else it says? That my thoughts, for, you, know, you want to know the distance of your thoughts from my thoughts are? It's from the earth to the heavens. Tell me, how far is the earth to the heavens? <laughs> Well, I know the earth part of the measuring tape. The other part just keeps going. In other words, 
you don't get it, you're not going to get it. We're all inside this projection here, and we don't know what's going on here. We just don't know what's going on. But there are a couple things we do know, and one of those things is desire gets fulfilled. When you want something, it happens. And, and therefore, your prayers to prevent disaster are very important. They're not necessarily stronger than Ratzon. For example, let's say someone had a Ratzon to marry a Gentile. A Jew, obviously. A Jew with a desire to marry a Gentile, always a really bad idea. But let's just say the person really wanted it. What if this entire room decided to take on reading all the book of Psalms? And not only that, all the men in the room decided that they're going to read, they're going to go through the entire Talmud for the next year. And we're all going to read the whole book of Psalms every day for a year. And all the men in the room are going to break it up and learn the entire Talmud in the year that that person shouldn't marry the Gentile. Is that person going to marry the Gentile? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they're going to marry the Gentile. Why? Because they, they want to. <laughs> and that is so much stronger. How you doing, ladies? We only have standing room at this point. But there's two spots to stand right there. So the answer is, wait, don't leave. Are you, what do you want to do, get chairs? Or you want to stand? He's such a chivalrous man. He must be European. Just kidding, he's not European. Where are you from? Florida. <laughs> they stand up for ladies to sit? Okay. So, anyway. The... Um, He's going to marry the Gentile because he wants to. Doesn't mean you shouldn't pray. You should pray. I'm sure the prayers will go somewhere and for someone. You know, no prayer goes unanswered. It just may not answer that particular issue. It's going out there. It's hitting the system. So you never know what's going to happen over there. But, but in general, you do a lot better flying that person to Israel for 10 days to study Torah. You know what you tell them? You tell them, listen, I don't care if you marry Biff. Go ahead and marry Biff. I just want you to have a powerful choice. And so, I want you to spend 10 days in Israel and I'll pay for it. Now, by the way, when you say I'll pay for it, you can raise the money. You can call me, I'll help with the money. You, Anytime you're trying to get someone to like do the right thing, just tell them you'll pay for it. I've been doing this for years. And I meet these guys who like shave with a forbidden blade, you know, because a man's not allowed to put a blade to his face, a Jewish man. He has to have it like a kosher shaver. So, so when I meet a guy who does that, I say, I say, I give him my uh, promise. I say, I promise anybody, if a Jew is willing to shave with a, stop using a blade for the rest of his life, I will spend the 700 shekels on the shaver. And he's like, you'd actually buy me a shaver? I said, of course I would. And, and he says, okay, I promise. You know what I do? I, I literally walk into the very first base midrash, which means yeshiva, that there is. I walk in the very first base midrash, a big one. And what do I do? I walk around the tables with a cup. And I say, I got a guy to quit using a razor. Please kick in for his shaver. And I come back five minutes later. I'm like, here's your money. <laughs> Now, if I were independently wealthy, which I will be by next January, by the way, but if I were independently wealthy, I, if I were in, is this the first of the year? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was two months ago. I declared independent wealth, uh, by January, 2019. So that's, what's going to happen this year. Really? And to be independently wealthy because I'm the kind of guy who like, likes to spread it around, you know, and, and also I've got amazing projects that's worth a lot of money, like we should put money there because it'll help save the world. And, you know, I'm tired of trying to convince people who are so tired of being asked for money. You know what I mean? Like people are so haggard. They're so tired of being asked for money. People have money that they've lost the ability to sense a cause because they just can't get lit up anymore. And so, so I get really lit up and I have the causes and I actually fulfill the causes. I do the causes. And I have lots of students who like helping do that. So I'm tired of asking for causes. Like, I'd rather just fund them myself. Anyway, but because I haven't done that yet, 
If you ever want someone to do a mitzvah, tell them you'll pay for it. It is so easy to raise the money. Five minutes, 700 shekels, boom, just like that. And I've done many others. Plane ticket. <laughs> I got a guy who's willing to come to Israel for 10 days who's engaged to a Gentile. And he had a thousand bucks. Okay, that's not five minutes. That's about a half hour. And all the money's in the cup from one base midrash. And people in base midrash aren't supposed to be that wealthy. But people dig in if for a cause right there. You know, that's right in their face. They'll dig in. And after about 50 guys, there's a thousand bucks in the cup. So anyway, the, uh, what happens is they come and learn here. And, but what do you, oh, sorry. What you're saying to them is, I want you to make a powerful choice. Go ahead and marry Chrissy. But choose it. You know, I am choosing it. Said, no, a choice is only made when you know both sides. You only know the side of Chrissy. You need to know the side of Judaism, which you are now officially ending an entire line for 3,330 years. You're, it ends with you. The buck stops with you, bro. So I'm not telling you not to do it, but you've got to do it informed. Make a powerful choice. Fly to Israel for 10 days. Just go to Israel for 10 days. Come back and marry Chrissy. I don't care. But at least make a powerful choice. You can try that. It works. Now, um, I, I can't help but tell this one horrible story, but I, uh, someone convinced a girl to do that, and she, she was engaged. When she went back after three weeks, it was a three-week trip, when she went back from her three weeks learning with Rebetzin Weinberg, Rav Noah Weinberg's Saul's wife, when she came back to America, she told her fiancé that it's over. She went to say it in person to, before she flew back to study. And you know what he says to her? He says to her, Hitler should have finished the job. Shock. Yeah. Shock. She, she, her skin like almost like melted off her body. I mean, she was just like, and I mean, just imagine she almost married this guy. Crazy. And so she flew back to Israel, like stunned, get, goes right to Rebetzin Weinberg and tells her the story. You know what she said? She said, she said, in Europe, they killed our bodies. Now they marry us. It's the same Holocaust. And you should know more than six million Jews have disappeared since then. On the census, people marking Jew, yeah, we hit six million of people not marking Jew anymore, of projected population, meaning the projected population should have had, we're missing six million just from that part. And you should know Asaph's also called, Asaph, who's Europe, who, you know, destroyed a third of our people in the Holocaust. So Asaph, that's Jacob's brother. Asaph's also called, interestingly, in one Pasuk, there's this extra word where it's called um, Achi Asaph, my brother Asaph. So there are rabbis who explain that my brother Asaph is America, where it acts like your brother. And it just subtly and slowly cools your heart and, 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 and kind of extinguishes your soul even if you're observant. Until your, your whole life has just gone plastic and surface, even though you could be totally observant. And so, and so uh, they say that it's called my brother Asaph, and it's even explained that when Asaph was decapitated at the mouth of the cave of Machpelah in Hebron, that, that his head, we, our tradition is the head rolled into the cave. Some explain it because it's the head of... It's just, he's a child of Isaac and Rebecca. I mean, this is a heavy-duty soul. So the head at least goes there. His body was, for, you know, the pits. His body you know, should get eaten by birds because the way he chose to live was all body. Because you have two voices. You have a godly voice and a body voice. His godly voice was, I guess, very quiet because his body voice was super loud. And so his body got eaten by, you know, birds. But his head rolled into the cave. Now, some explain that because he's the son of Yitzhak and, Rebe- and Rivka. But it's also explained that, that the head of Esav is, is the part that's, that's kind. It's part of the brother Esav. And that's, that's what's going on. That's what's going on in the West when they're, when they're nice to the Jewish people. Can everyone slide their chairs in? We need a little more standing room. Just, just keep sliding, sliding, sliding. It's a standing room only, ladies, but we're making room for you. We're fine. We're fine. 
glad you're fine. Uh, someone just made a seat. Did you just make a seat for somebody? Uh, there's not room for five of you. There's only room for four of you up there. Okay. Now, I got to button all this up. We got a bunch of stuff buttoned up. We got to finish buttoning it up because it's almost four. We're talking about, we're talking about that, oh, I wanted to button up, first of all, the free will thing with God. God's crazy about free will. He's a free will freak, and he allows people to want things that will even be bad for them. God's not religious. God's not religious. Religion tells you that if you do something wrong, you're out of God's graces. Judaism tells you that there's nothing outside the grace of God. There is doing God's will and getting reward. There is going against God's will. And that's just set up so you get reward for doing the will. You understand? The only reason you have a desire not to do good is because otherwise doing good means nothing. But you were never supposed to do those things. Meaning the stuff you want to do that's not right isn't actually to be done. It's just to give you reward for doing the right thing. Because there is no reward for doing the right things if you don't have a desire to do the wrong thing. So, in other words, your Yetzirah, or your evil inclination, the body voice, is your best friend. That's how you earn anything in this life. Is by you got to have a nice, strong body voice. i got a nice, strong body voice. And by having my body voice listen to the soul voice, so then there's reward for listening to the soul voice. And it's a muscle you build. It's a muscle you build. It's doing the right things, even though you got a voice saying to do the wrong things. But you were never meant to do the wrong things. Well, what if someone did do the wrong things? A lot of people do the wrong things because they didn't even know that the whole point of, of the voice that says do the wrong things was to give you reward for the right thing. They didn't know that. Raise your hand if you never even thought about that. Raise your hand. Anyway, someone in here never thought about the fact that the voice was just to give you reward. Just you? Just you? What's going on with you guys? Cat got your arm? So... So if someone does the wrong things, so that is easily rectified with teshuva, and they do the teshuva process. It's not easy to do it. It's painful to do it. You know, it's, it's, but, you know, it's painful like it's painful for someone who messes, does a stupid move in their marriage. You know, you, you, you forgot to tell your wife that you had a convention in Las Vegas. And you call her from Las Vegas. <laughs> that ain't good. You blew that. And it's not going to be easy because when you get back to where you live, you'll, first of all, you're lucky if the, your key works in the door. But even if your key works in the door, you're going to find your bedding on the couch. <coughs> you have your bedding on the couch. And it's going to be a process to get back in that bedroom. For sure. You're going to be in a process. And so, two, someone who does the wrong thing between them and God, there's going to be a process you're in to get out of that. And that's, that's not an easy process, but you can do that process and rectify what you've done wrong. Now, we also have a reset because Jews just have so many commandments. I mean, there's so much you can do wrong in one week, inadvertently, like by accident, that like, it literally like, it's like, and everything we do wrong is kind of like spiritual cholesterol. So like the whole planet would go into a heart attack, a spiritual heart attack if we didn't have a reset button on Yom Kippur. So the entire nation of Israel's reset every year. God has no choice. Meaning Gentiles have five things they're not allowed to do. You know, like cruelty to animals, idolatry, those types of things. Kill, steal, uh, uh, adultery. Like they're not allowed those things. But we're not allowed like thousands of things. You know, meaning, meaning when you click on this 365 negative commandments, Easy to remember 365 because it's the days of the year and they are correlated. But when you go to those 365, it brings down thousands of laws that are so easy to break. Well, part of the deal with God was, well, if I'm going to give them 365 negative commandments, which breaks into thousands of laws, so we have to have a reset. And so every Yom Kippur, we get a reset. Because a Gentile couldn't do in his lifetime what a Jew could do wrong in a week. And so by the end of the year, we need to reset ourselves. Now, obviously, you'd be an idiot to wait for Yom Kippur to rectify your wrongs. 
because who says you're going to die after Yom Kippur? Maybe you're going to die the day before, or the week before, the month before, three months before. How do you know when you're going to die? So obviously, you want to get into that process, that Yom Kippur-style process, and do the tshuva before that. And the... Uh, Anyway, but God's a big boy. You can't surprise God. Okay? When you do something wrong, wrong, God doesn't go like, Duh. I can't believe it. How could this have happened? God doesn't say that. You're good, you're good. He's just letting me know it's for. God doesn't say that. God, God is, you have to realize, God has pom-poms and he's rooting for you. And when you do something wrong, I have a feeling he goes even wilder. You know, it's just like a sports game where the team's losing a bit. So I think the cheerleaders, like, get more into it, you know, to, like, rile up the team to, like, push back. And so, so God starts really shaking his pom-poms when you're blowing it. You know, religion says God's like, you've been, you've, like, you've left the grace of God. Judaism's telling you that, no, now, now God's like, now God's got kind of a spotlight on you for this process that of coming close to him. And you should know that someone who did something wrong and came back to God experiences a closeness that no one else can experience. Because think about the man who did tell his wife about the Vegas trip. Meaning they were partners and they had to go to Vegas for business. Obviously the guy told his wife, but the other guy forgot. Now, when he gets home, it's going to take him a good three days to get back in the bedroom. And it's not going to be because he brought flowers. He's going to have to find the words that describe where the hell he was in his heart and mind that he could miss that piece of information that he'd be in Vegas. And because he had to dig in there and he had to, he had to communicate from a new place that didn't exist before. How do you know the place never existed before? It never existed before because he did it. So it must be he never achieved that place in their relationship that he could have gone to Vegas without having said something. So for him to get back in that bedroom means he's going to have to dig down into a place he's never been before, which means their relationship's going somewhere it never was. And the same thing, when someone does something wrong between them and God, the only way you could do that is you've got temporary insanity, meaning you're not in a place with God where you get it. You just don't get it. And so if you're going to go into the tshuva process, well, that's going to be a process of you starting to get things. And one of those things you're going to get, which is the most important thing to get, is that there's an intimacy between you and God that's so direct down the system of molecules. Sorry, molecules. Malachim. Down the, well, if you think about it, it's molecular. Okay? It's molecular. So down the system of malachim, when you're coming down that system, when you start realizing how direct drive that is, between you and God, how intimate that relationship is. And you sinning is the ultimate, it's the emblem of, or the ultimate expression of, I don't get there's intimacy here. Anyone who does something against God, anyone who sins against Torah, is, is, it's just one clear statement, is I don't get it. Well, how much trouble can you get in if you don't get it in the first place? How much can God throw a person out who doesn't get it anyway? You don't throw someone out when they don't get it. But the path back helps you get it. And therefore, the tshuva process after having done something wrong is the process of achieving intimacy with God. So that you get it. And then that's why they say that the makom shabali tshuva oim that the place where bal tshuva stands, meaning someone who does tshuva for something they did wrong, they don't mean Balchivas are like someone like found God at the Kotel. That's not what it means. Meaning someone who was was walking the path of Judaism fell hard because they didn't really get it and found their way back up is going to be in a relationship with God that someone who never fell could ever achieve. They can never stand there. They can never achieve that place because that person's now on a different trajectory because of the place that they achieved. And therefore the marriage that's really powerful is the partner that forgot to tell his spouse that he'd be in Vegas. That's the powerful relationship after the process of the teshuva. So if there's one thing you can get is that, is that, is that a totally different perspective on doing the wrong things here. 
and it's a super mature and cosmic and intuitive perspective. It's not a religious perspective that's constantly, constantly insulting my intuition. Because religion's an insult to the human intuition, usually. And unfortunately, even in Judaism, many teachers of it insult our intuition. But if you listen carefully or review what I said today, you'll realize how intuitive it is. And that, that's Judaism. And it's not because I've got the intuition. I've, my teacher does. And I'm connected to him, and he's connected to his. And we're, we're coming down a chain of, of the teachings of Judaism, but from the inside, not from religion, which is always, you know, kind of ace of influence. Surface. And therefore, it's really important that we align our ruts on our desire, because our desire is what causes the system to actually conspire to give us what we want. Meaning your desire, once you radiate your desire, especially if you put that cherry on top with the words in prayer, is that you're going to get it. So, so it's pretty important that you align your desire with what's right. Because some of us have desires that are all over the place. I mean, we all do. But when you actually want to get something, you want to manipulate, so to speak, the world through that desire. You want to make sure that you're, that you're in consonance. It's a fancy word for alignment. As opposed to dissonance, most people know the word dissonance. So the opposite of dissonance, which is out of alignment with God, is consonance. Everyone try, try a new word. Consonance. Try it. Consonance. consonance. When you align your will to be in consonance with God's will and wisdom, and then you radiate vibrationally from your mind into creation. Like that. So, so yes, the system conspires. And it literally manipulates the world, even other people, to fulfill that desire. But most importantly is that we purify our desire so that we want the right things. And the way we get there is by having an intimate and intuitive connection with God that comes from the Torah that is taught by the intuitive and more Kabbalistic schools of thought. Thank you very much, Sean. And don't forget to marry someone spiritual. Okay. They can also pay bills. Um, everybody, uh, what I want to say, and also um, we're setting up our club any minute, so everyone get ready. We're, we're going to have a club. It's called, uh, we don't know exactly what it's called yet, but at this point it's called the Got Your Back Club. And uh, we're going to cre- create it. We, are, we already got the website. It happens to be called RabbiYomTov.com. And, uh, but we're setting it up in the next day or two. I think tomorrow's the meeting with the website developer. And you'll be part of the club, and we're going to do stuff. It's going to be amazing. Shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.